Welcome back to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Stacey West, and today we're joined by Darius McDermott and Juliet Schooling Ladder. And as we sit today in December 2022, we're looking back at the year and also forward as best as we can to 2023. So let's get started. For you both, what were the key moments of 2022 and what did you learn as investors? Well, Stacey, there's a lot of things you could say about 2022, but it hasn't been uneventful. Um, So where to start? Well, we had um, Putin's invasion of Ukraine um, in February, which blindsided a world just recovering from COVID and sent energy prices skyrocketing. We celebrated our Queen's Platinum Jubilee in June. And then, of course, sadly, she died in September. Meanwhile, on the political front, We finally got rid of Boris Johnson, only to have him replaced by our shortest-lived Prime Minister in Liz Truss, who managed to wreak havoc with our economy um, and ruin the UK's reputation for stability. Um, On top of all this, China has continued to have lockdowns, which has hurt its economy and interrupted supply chains, um, forcing companies to rethink their offshoring policies. Uh, So all in all, it's been rather a tumultuous year. Yes, it really has. And you've highlighted some of the sort of milestones. For investors' purposes, it's been a very difficult year. Uh, We've seen the vast majority of equity markets go down. And bonds have also lost money, you know, sort of good double-digit losses in most asset classes. And if I think, as we maybe recorded something similar to this last year, you know, the, the word inflation had really re-entered the vocabulary, having been absent for a decade. And this time last year, central banks certainly were using the word transitory. It's only here for a while. Well, boy, did they get that wrong. And to be fair, mostly everybody did. Inflation has, in fact, continued to dominate and go up in 2022. And that has had a pronounced effect on investment. So. If we go back to our simple um, bond economics, when rates go up, bond prices go down. So, you know, we've seen most central banks, certainly the UK and the US, and more latterly the ECB, raising interest rates throughout 2022. And whenever the rhetoric from the central banks is that they're going to continue to raise rates maybe further than was expected, then bonds just fall even more. And who knew that? An inflation-linked bond, given that inflation has been so high, inflation-linked bonds have lost more than 25% this year because of the long-term nature of that type of debt instrument. So inflation, you know, you think inflation-linked bonds have got to have gone up, but inflation-linked bonds have very long duration, i.e. that's their time to maturity. And with that, you know, they've, they've had incredible losses this year. So it's been a really tough year uh, for investors in pretty much every asset class. So it's been a, a really tough year for investors. I mean, so much so that in Q1, every single asset class fell. It's the first time that that had happened in over 30 years. So it, it's been a tough year. And it's not nice to say this, but trying to lose less money than everybody else has been has been, you know, the name of the game this year. And it's, it's been a very tough year for investors in 2022. And you mentioned there, of course, inflation, obviously a very popular topic um, 
over the last few months, year, et cetera. Um, but in these quarterly kind of updates that we have, there's been a few other similar themes. Uh, the only asset classes doing well were commodities and Latin American equities, while the worst performers were UK index-linked gilt and UK smaller companies. Did any of this surprise you over the last year? Well, I'm sorry, I've maybe slightly ruined your question by answering a bit of it in the last rant. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the index linked gilts, as I, as I touched on briefly, you know, the returns are linked to inflation, yet they still lost money when we've had much higher than expe uh, expected. Um, from my perspective, I think we have to come back on all of these chats to, to what is in the price. What are the valuations of these assets? And if there's one thing that has surprised me this year, it's how resilient India has been. So as we turned into the start of 2022, India was on a, an approximately sort of 40% premium to other emerging markets. Now, it normally trades at a premium to other emerging markets, but this was at the upper end of the scale. And, you know, certainly India had been a real winner for us as a team in 2021. And we sort of, cut some of our exposure to try and buy some other assets that, that had already started to underperform. With hindsight, that was probably wrong. <clears throat> Not that ever taking profit is necessarily a bad thing, but India, India's resilience has surprised me, given that it was expensive on valuations. I think the other thing is that equity markets had had a very good run, you know, multiple years of double-digit of, of double returns. And as we know, all know, sometimes things do go down as well as up. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the index-linked gilts probably took us by surprise as well. It's fair to say, isn't it, Darius? I mean, you know, it, it, the the extent of the of the sell-off, um, you know, but I mean, that was down to the sort of the, the the trust government policy trying to sort of boost growth uh, whilst the Bank of England was tackling inflation, um, and and that had quite a considerable impact. Um, at the same time, you know, the UK has been quite unloved. You mentioned UK smaller companies um, and the smaller companies, obviously the riskier end of the UK market. Um, so that that has been damaged too. Yeah, the UK has been a very interesting market because the larger companies, the FTSE 100, is broadly flat, if not slightly positive this year. So that's one of the few equity markets that, that is up. And that is primarily driven by the UK's concentration in energy companies. Um, we also have, you know, the listed the homes of nearly all the, U the European listed um, miners. So commodities had a, a, a good first half of the year. Oil has had a very strong and energy companies had a very strong year. Yet mid and smaller companies in the UK have had a horrendous time. And there's been lots of really good companies that have fallen 30, 40, 50% in the UK this year, just on the back of sentiment and, and that liquidity premium that, that, that one gets with smaller companies. So, you know, I think we are experienced enough to know that when markets go bad, smaller companies go very bad. But this year has been a an odd year in UK equities. So, you know, the FTSE 100 is actually up and small cap in some cases are down 30 or 40%. So it's, it really has been a year where large cap has outperformed in in the UK specifically, but small companies globally have also had a much tougher year. And as 
listeners to to our podcast or readers of any of the literature we generally we generally put out is we like smaller companies because of their ability to grow and it's been a tough year for smaller companies in 2022 for sure now switching gears slightly um looking forward to 2023 what what is your outlook will the current state of affairs continue do you expect other asset classes to do better um perhaps starting with the uk i mean for me whenever we look at these things we have to start with valuations what looks good value and just following on from the last question uk smaller companies look good value um because they've had such a torrid time in 2022 the broad outlook from an economist point of view um and i'm not an economist but i get to listen to lots of intelligent people and um, borrow some of their thinking but you know both the central banks in uk and us have stated that they are going to continue to raise rates even if they do so at a slower pace. The one asset class which has now actually become quite interesting, which we've not been invested in much at all, is, of course, fixed income. Because whilst I think we're getting nearer to the end of the rate rising cycle, you're now getting paid a decent yield to hold bonds. You know, two years ago, holding a US or UK government bond, you got paid a half a percent. Now you get paid 4%. In fact, we looked this morning and the US two-year treasury was paying four and a quarter. So it's got no interest rate risk, very little interest rate risk, and four and a quarter. That's that's a, a handsome return for a short-duration asset. So I think bonds potentially look good, good value here. And if you can stomach the volatility, things like UK smaller companies, a very interesting market, which we haven't really touched on yet, is China. It's one that causes a lot of debate in the team. But China is definitely cheap on all of its metrics. It's been derating steadily for the last three or four years. And their continued COVID lockdown um, has really hurt China, uh, as obviously a lot of the, the, the fallout from COVID. So some people find it or of this, talking about China being uninvestable now. Uh, that's not my personal view. And it's one market that I do think looks cheap. I thought that in 12 months ago. And there's nothing, um, you know, when, you, when, when you're in the investment game, if you're wrong, you'd say you're early. And I think I've definitely probably been 12 months early on China. Um, but I'd probably be looking to add to that position as China's actually got cheaper and cheaper again. And there is some light with respect to their COVID reopening policy shift in only the last two or three weeks. So, you know, sometimes valuation is all you need. But I think the outlook broadly for 2023 is quite mixed and quite challenged. It could be a tough year again. I mean, I think on the sort of macro side, we're, you know, we're, we're rather at the mercy of geopolitics, aren't we? Uh, which makes it a very difficult call. You know, if the, if the Ukraine war comes to an end, we'll certainly see a relief rally in markets, you know, particularly in Europe, which has been hardest hit by the impact of rising energy costs. Um, and, and this will obviously help to bring inflation down too. Um, with central banks sort of trying to combat inflation um, almost everywhere, recession is certainly it seems to be on the cards. So quite you know quite simply, as interest rates go up, consumers' debt and mortgage payments increase, and the less they have to spend on other items, so demand declines, and so does inflation. But obviously, this also hits companies' margins. But 
you know, on the flip side of that, this recession has been very, very well flagged. It's sort of the most expected recession ever. Um, so it's a question as to how much is already in in the price, as it were, on, on expecting companies' earnings to decline. Um, you know, consumer confidence in the UK and Europe is extremely low at the moment. Um, so, um, y- you know, it, it remains to be seen how how deep and how hard the recessions are. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say is even though equities have had a very tough year, it doesn't quite feel as if we've had that sort of last-ditch recessionary equity sell-off where everybody sells everything, runs to cash. As I say, I I do think certain parts of the small-cap market, small-cap managers we talk to, they very much feel as if that has happened already. It clearly hasn't happened in UK large-cap. But the sort of the main stock market in the world, the US, is is down quite a lot this year. But again, it doesn't feel, even though I think with rates going up, all that geopolitical uncertainty and the fact that US was expensive at the start of the year. So we've had a sort of a bit of a valuation de-rating. I never like to sound too miserable and um, depressing, but I think I don't feel we've seen that sort of recessionary based everybody sells. Uh, and you see that liquidity squeeze. So hopefully that doesn't happen in 2023. Um, but with recession, very well forecast, as Julia has pointed out. You know, we may well, well, the one thing I'm absolutely sure of is we will continue to see you know substantial volatility in equity markets and having the confidence to try and buy the dips and look for markets that, 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 that really have been hit, I always think is a reasonable strategy uh, when, when trying to invest. Well, speaking of strategy, if you had £10,000 today to invest, where would you put it and how would you invest it? I think given the uncertain sort of geopolitical outlook, I would invest it on a sort of regular savings basis rather than as a lump sum because, um, you know, you never know when you're going to hit the bottom, whether it's got further to go uh, or not. being a contrarian, I might be tempted to put some into Europe and perhaps even um, UK smaller companies, which over the long time, over the long term, I think this, you know, this has got to be a, a good entry point. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think regular savings would be the way they always say it's time in market rather than timing market. And if there's one thing I've learned over, you know, 20 plus years in investing that actually timing market is very very difficult and i as i i do expect markets to continue to be volatile i think you know, doing a, a regular saving would be the best probably course of action for long term i would definitely put 50 percent in uk smaller companies uh, i would also probably put 25 percent in china because i think china is cheap and there's good opportunity to make money in china and the other market, I mean, emerging markets have had a very difficult year. The dollar has been strong against most currencies for most of the year. And at some stage when that, you know, that dollar strength stops, that's generally a good sign for emerging markets. Again, using valuation as our core for, for, for thinking about investing in those areas. So that's a pretty high risk portfolio from me. Um, but those would be the assets I would be drawn to um, for the for the years ahead if we had to make that sort of choice of investing in a lump sum or regular, 
I'd be looking at a regular saving. And would your choices for both of you um, change if you were investing on behalf of, say, an elderly relevant or uh, into a junior ISA for your children? And if you would change your choices, where would you change them to and why? Yes, definitely. I think I think you have to take into account um, people's attitude to risk. And obviously, with if you're investing for children, you know, which which I do for mine, hopefully it's for quite a long time period. So you can afford to take more risk. You know, generally taking more risk over the long term gives greater returns. Um, so for them, I might do something like put something into tech, which, you know, I like technology over the long term it's been one of the worst hit sectors in um 2022 um so that might be something and then for someone older i think generally you're you're looking at income aren't you and um as darius mentioned earlier bond bond funds now look quite interesting so that might be a pick for for someone older yeah i i totally agree uh, annoyingly uh bonds are much better value. I can get paid a decent yield for for holding them uh, in a short dated. And by that, that means bonds that have less time to they mature on a risk-adjusted basis. You can get 6 or 7% without much interest rate risk. I think that's a, a fabulous opportunity for, for anybody wanting income um, or some defensiveness in their portfolio. Uh, like Juliet, I also invest for my children. Uh, and I'm afraid they get the VT Chelsea managed aggressive funds, whether they like it or not. Um, we like to eat our own cooking and uh, that's where their uh, junior ices go. Well, on such an agreeable note, which is unusual, let's say, uh, thank you both for joining us today. And thank you everyone for listening. We hope that you had a lovely holiday period with your families and friends and wishing you a very, very happy new year. If you'd like to listen to more of our podcasts, please go to funcaliber.com and don't forget to subscribe via your usual channels. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Caliber's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Caliber's research team only. 